Hey, welcome to the Better Dad Podcast. My name is Matt, and this is a podcast that I launched in order to grow as a dad in the year 2021. I'm just getting the chance to have conversations with experts in areas that I want to grow and with dads who I think are killing it and doing cool things just to grow as a dad. In today's episode, I got to chat with a guy that I really enjoyed chatting with. His name is David Willens. And what's cool is he's kind of like me. He's just a, a regular guy, a regular bloke, if you will. He's from London, and he started a website called beingdads.com. And we talked about everything from Marcus Aurelius to stoicism to brain science to our shared woes of raising kids in quarantine. And unfortunately, I had to edit a lot of it out because I like to keep these short. But (laughs) if you want to hear two regular guys who are unqualified to talk about brain science and development, then this is the episode for you. (laughs) Honestly, I loved chatting with him and the chance to connect with somebody who lives on the other side of the world over Zoom. It's really cool. And I got to hear about why he started being dads and how he's learned to deal with the white hot rage and anger that we tend to feel from time to time. So here is my conversation I got to have with David. You're, you're calling from a much different time zone than I'm in. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's half four in the afternoon uh, in sunny London, which is relatively rare. Um, yeah, I'm David. Uh, I... Um, a uh, dad, obviously, uh, two boys ages nine and 12. So uh, the oldest one has just gone to secondary. We call it secondary school in the in the UK. Um, big school. Yeah. I don't know what you call it in the US. Um, middle school? Maybe? Yes. Middle school. May, yes. Yeah, yeah. Middle school. Uh, but but we don't have middle school. We just have, it goes from 12 to 16. Uh, okay. So, you know, you, you, you go in as a little kid and there's these, you know, practically men as well in the same yeah. building wearing the same uniform uh which i still i still remember my first day it was terrifying um anyway off track uh yeah <laughs> so two boys brilliant uh i, I and i do a, a kind of normal day job um do kind of marketing comms for a for a data company uh four and a half days a week and then half a day a week i work on a project called being dads um which is I guess yeah. how how you found me and how well, why we're talking really isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. So tell me tell me about being dads. What what is that all about? Um, I guess the the well, practically what it is. Uh, it, it's it's a website. It's it's newsletters that I try to send out as regularly as possible. Uh, that's taken a bit of a beating during lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Um, workshops which are now virtual. Um, obviously, all around fatherhood. So the whole the point of the work. I don't even know what to call it. It's not a business. Uh, it's it's not. It's been going too long to be a project. Um, so yeah, it it uh, it's about exploring what it means to be a dad and how to be a better one. Uh, because I think six years ago now, um, I had a, I had just a kind of classic parenting moment, really. Of you know, kind of kids had to get to school and nursery. I had a train I had to catch at a certain time to get to a meeting that was really important at the time. Obviously, I've got no idea what it was now. Um, <laughs> and they were just being kids, you know, like, ooh, shiny thing over there. And, you know, I'm like, we need to go. We need to leave the house. Come on, shoes on, socks on, socks on, shoes on. Get your coats. Let's go. Get your bags. And they just, and I'm there, you know, watching the seconds and the minutes count down. I think, mm, this is going to be really tight. I'm going to have to run from school to get to the train. To, um, and I just, in that moment, I just, I lost control. 
Um, I manhandled them into their shoes because they weren't doing it, put their coats on and physically put them outside the front door. Um, I didn't hit them, but what I, I, as I was stomping down the road after them, they, they zoomed off on their scooters quite happily, uh, thankfully. <laughs> and I was there like stomping away with their bags, my bag. And I just, in a moment, just caught myself and I was like, shit, like, who was that guy? Because that was, I, I was not in control. And I, that scared the hell out of me. Uh, yeah. And I was like, God, that's Angry Dad, right? That's that's who that bloke was. I never want to be him, never wanted to be him. Definitely don't want to inhabit that um, that, that person again. Um, and a lot of my job is around asking questions uh, is one way of thinking about it. Um, so I was like, well, if I don't want to be that guy, what do I want to be? Like, what does good look like? Um, hmm. And I was like, okay, so there's some stuff I can take from my dad, who, who's brilliant, but... Um, we have a different value set, live in a different part of the world. Yeah. Time's very different from when I grew up. Um, and and I was just like, well, I can't actually answer that question very well. Uh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? So I thought, so I started uh, speaking to other dads on you and just saying, hey, I'm doing this thing because I needed to, I needed a thing to be able to, uh, I guess, give myself permission to say, I want to have a conversation with you about fatherhood, yeah. which in and of itself is a bit bloody weird, right? <laughs> right. It's so funny. Yeah. And so, and I started doing these conversations with friends uh, and other blokes I knew who um, were interesting blokes uh, or good, good dads. Um, and a couple of them were like, it's been brilliant. I've never spent, like, we, I mean, we talked for an hour and I've worked out questions and things like that, but they were saying, you know, I've never spent this long um, talking to anyone about fatherhood before. Mm. What are you going to do with this? So, well, I guess I should, I'll publish it. I'll write some blogs. Um, and then it kind of grew from there. And I've interviewed, sorry, some fascinating, uh, fascinating men. Um, a granddad uh, who was like, his wisdom was astounding. Um, huh. And yeah, and then it's grew from there. I kind of was a friend of mine was at a big, big company, Unilever. And she was she was having a maternity coach. I was, what the hell's that? I didn't know that existed. Um, yeah. So I googled around. Is there a paternity coach? And there was a there was one company um, I found that did it at the time. And then said, Hey, this is what I do. Can I come along to one of your sessions and just sit and listen? Because it'd be fascinating. Um, and they said, they were like, Yeah, yeah, sure, it'd be great. Uh, and you're interested in running them because we're two women, <laughs> and it, it's fine. But it would be better if it was a dad running these things. Right. So that's how I fell into like the workshops and stuff like that. Um, cool. So yeah, sorry, bit rambly, bit long, no, but that's what it is. I love it. I, I love that it, <laughs> I, I so relate to the idea of like, like it feels like you can't just like call up some friends or like some other dads and be like, Hey, let's have a beer and talk about being a dad. You have to have like a, like a reason, like a framework and be like, Oh, I'm like doing this thing or like, that's literally, I, I keep joking about this podcast about like, you know, this is my my version of, you know, I don't want to pay for therapy and, you know, I'm a, I'm a middle-aged male. So I have to, I have to get this out using a podcast. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have to have some sort of vehicle. It's like we tell ourselves and it's, it does, it's like a joke, but it feels true. Um, that we have to provide, we have to have, give ourselves some sort of reason to be able to talk about things that are vulnerable and important to us, like being a dad or being a good dad. Um, yeah yeah that's really interesting because I, I kind of my my right the writing bit I do um newsletters blog posts that sort of stuff I 
I'll get I can get into the zone on it relatively quickly and each time I do it I'm like this feels amazing like I'm just kind of exploring this idea of fatherhood and reflecting on it for what it means for me and you know reading something else and being like oh 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 and it just I don't know it it isn't something that we would just you know go and I can't at the moment anyway but you know go and have a pint and talk about with a mate you you do ask that how how's family how the kids but you always, we always seem to stay at this surface level, don't we? Of kind of, oh, they're being annoying because of this, or they've just done this, and that's amazing, and I'm really proud, and da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. and anyway, then on to start other stuff, right? We kind of skate over it quite quickly. Yeah, you know what? And, and, and there's several things I want to a- ask you about from uh, from what you just that's described, but I, that moment of realizing that you want to be something different or someone different than who you are at the moment is such a powerful moment. Um, like, do do you feel like you had like kind of a clear sense of who you wanted to be in the future? Like were you able to like kind of say, this is what I want to look like someday as a dad or as a man or. Um, I've always, I think quite a lot. I'm a bit of an overthinker. Um, which in, in some respects is great. In other respects, it's, it's mental you kind of go around in your own head uh beat yourself up and all that sort of stuff um but I've always I've always thought about stuff like where where do I want to be at the end of the year what um what's what this thing that I'm doing why am I doing it what what's important what do I want to get out of it um so I've always asked a lot of questions um okay in terms of kind of and I have done a bit of and I read a lot so I have done kind of some of that stuff of like Oh, when I'm old, what do I want to have? What do I want to be like? What do I want to have done or not? Or, you know, what do I want to have or not? Um, so I've always thought about that stuff. I think with fatherhood, it's really difficult because it's not it's not tangible. It's not measurable. The only way I've found to think about it in a, in a helpful way has been what kind of relationship do I want with my kids and my grandkids? Yeah, and like, and therefore, so if I want, I want them to be able to talk to me about anything. I mean, that sounds a bit trite, but you know, oh. tell me about their problems and tell me about their, you know, their successes. So in that case, I've got to then, I've got to really be in the moment when they tell me about their successes now and their wins, which um, you know might be really small because as a grown up, right, our our world's much bigger. Whereas a little kid. Um, you know, the things that they feel a massive sense of achievement over, we can look at, and if we're not careful, we'll just be like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Oh, on we go, on we go. Because all it is is an effect, something that we can do because we've been we've been doing things in our lives for decades, whereas they've only had a few years to do stuff. <laughs> um, so obviously our, our levels of competence and capability are going to be significantly higher than theirs. So there's that sort of stuff of, like, I want them to come to me to celebrate success etc so what does that look like and how do I therefore think about it now and then you know the other stuff of I need I I mean and this doesn't necessarily go for just for that kind of um being an old man and wanting my kids to tell me stuff it goes for like the periods of now of I need my kids to be able to talk to me about how they're feeling because if they're not able to do that then things could get quite dark quite quickly mm. over the next however many years um you know because you particularly uh, given the last year everyone's had like you see the stats around um 
you know, child's mental ill health increasing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got two boys. Boys are, are, are statistically more likely to to get addicted to bad things, to um, you know, to 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 get into violence and crime, etc. Mm-hmm. We live in a big city. Uh, you know, they're increasingly more likely to commit suicide. You know, so it could get quite. I don't know. That's a bit extreme, right? But um, it could get like that. And yeah. that would be horrible. I definitely don't want that. So what is the thing that I can do to avoid that? It's at least it's just talking to my kids and getting them to open up a bit. And also, therefore, me doing it myself, right? Role modeling yeah. and saying, actually, when I've had a crap day or when I'm struggling with stuff or or whatever, um, <laughs> I think I've lost lost track of the question, <laughs> if I'm honest. No, but this I, is how my brain works, right? Yeah, I love bit, it. I'm um, sorry. <laughs> what what I hear what I hear you saying. One thing that I just I love is is just that idea of reverse engine. Like you did kind of look at the future and say, well, I want my kids to be able to talk to me and and have that kind of relationship where they feel comfortable and open with you. And you, then you had to reverse engineer that and say, okay, well, what do I need to do today to make that happen in the future? And I hear you, that, and that that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I mean, it doesn't mean it's it's something that I always do because it's really hard to oh totally like, my god <laughs> yeah try and stay calm patient and interest like yeah yeah like it's the uh it's 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 certainly the biggest challenge I've ever faced in my life parenting yeah, yeah um, it, it is isn't it and isn't that weird like I yeah it really is really hard yeah and, and it feels like it feels kind of shitty to admit that because Cause, cause you don't want to make it sound like your kids are hard or your, or your kids are bad or they suck, but like doing the work of it is hard and sucks sometimes. And yeah. Tell, tell me about this granddad wisdom. Oh yeah. So, um, a friend of mine, uh, was, we were, this goes back a few years now we were chatting, um, she was like, "Oh, you should interview my my dad." And I was like, oh, "Yeah, I haven't, I haven't interviewed a granddad. That'd be interesting." And she's like, "Well, because he uh, he, um, I'm not sure what the right turn of phrase is. Uh, I'll just tell a story instead. It'd be easier." So he, him and his partner, um, wanted to have a child. Um, they, they so partner, kind of not married. Um, they were in a relationship, but. Um, it wasn't something that they wanted to do the whole marriage, et cetera, long-term commitment, but they right. both wanted to have a child. Um, my mate, uh, and they, this was back in the, uh, I think it's the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. About seventies in, um, Southern California somewhere. And they, they wanted to divide childcare equally. So half the time, uh, my friend would be with, with dad, the other half with mum. Um, and the stories that this the grand now granddad had were just insane it was like i in my head i'd equated california 70s with like really kind of i guess liberal liberal sort of views you know very supportive in that sense and he was like not at all yeah he said his his um the mum was heavily criticized in terms of like you can't you're not a good mother what are you doing leaving your daughter with a mat with the dad it's just mm. you know men don't do this childcare stuff uh, and he was really criticized by 
his friends uh, and peers, you know, kind of um, sort of, you know, looking at him going like, why are you doing that? That's woman's work, you know? Um, and interestingly, he told me the story of how actually his dad, he sort of thinks that this came from his dad because his dad, uh, so this must be going back to um, maybe the like 30s, 40s, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Not too sure. Um, but anyway, back in time, uh, he said his his dad like used to get involved in changing nappies and his dad was criticised by his mate. So there might be like a, you know, following the pattern thing. But anyway, um, so so the granddad that I interviewed, so there was that side of it. He was like, I've basically been, I've struggled against like societal norms and culture and what everyone else expects. Uh, and I've done it. And it's been really rewarding. Like he, you know, wouldn't change it for the world, all that sort of stuff. But what he said was one of the things that the, the the massive nugget of wisdom that I, I guess I think back on maybe pops into my head about once a week, maybe a bit more. Um, he said to me, there's a last time for everything. When you've got kids, there's a last time they'll sit on your lap. Last time they'll hold your hands in public. You know, a last time they'll come and give you a big cuddle in public. Like these sorts of things. And I was just like, Oh my God, I'm so kind of um, busy in the day to day of it. And I'm, and part of me is looking forward to, to not having to deal with this problem thing that I'm dealing with at the moment. Uh, you know, um, toilet training, you know, that's it's a big hassle, right? You want to get past that stage. You, you kind of, there's a chunky that's gone, God, I just can't wait till they can do this by themselves. Um, but his words just kind of made me like, Jesus, yeah, he's right. You know, my eldest, uh, my kids are, they're, they're children, they're not little kids. Mm-hmm. And they're actually, you know, edging into teenage years. And I miss the, the, the magic of a four-year-old and the mayhem they bring, you know, that kind of, they don't really understand kind of, reality and what's possible they have no social inhibitions and their mind is insanely creative yeah and and it's just wonderful it's like <laughs> you're this little being who is just imagining the world as it is and re- as you want it to be and then just getting stuck into it and playing and like i i miss that i don't have that anymore um i won't have that again actually uh so it's well yeah who knows uh, do, do you feel like do you feel like that what did you say Old people are quite cool, actually, uh, when you think about it. A lot more wisdom. And you never really appreciate it when you're growing up, do you? Anyway. Um. It's, it's so true. So I, I, I do I do want to revisit one very specific topic and, and, um, and ask you about that, that moment of clarity that you had around being ang- kind of realizing you were like the angry dad. And because I think we've all had moments like that. And even just that, like that feeling of like manhandling your kids just like feels bad. Like because I mean, we are I mean, it's just, this is just the most obvious thing in the world, but we're bigger than them. We're stronger than them. We can use our force to like scare them. Um, yeah. And sometimes I, I feel like, you know, I know I've definitely done that when like I'm mad or angry and want them to I want to control them. You know, they're not listening and yeah. I want to control, I have to exert control and I use like physical dominance to do that. Like, like just like, even just, just in the movement, just in the way I move toward, I, I've just been aware of that. Like, like I'll move towards them faster <laughs> to get them to, to move out. And that's, that's an aggressive kind of like scary experience for a kid. Um, yeah. 
And so what, what have you learned about being able to move away from that type of behavior and to not be that dad that you realized you were and you realized you wanted to be something else? What are some, what are some things that you've learned, some things that you've done to, to move away from, from experiences like that? Yeah, uh, I've done a lot because um, it really scared me. Because uh, when I remember when my son, first son was born, uh, it was a nuts time. Um, like I come like thirty six plus hours of labour. Also, uh, mm. anyway, um, and it but it, it totally flipped my worldview that moment. Um, so it was really powerful. So being a so because of that, being a dad is really important to me um so when i was when i screwed it up big time uh i i realized that ah, okay i really need to fix this so i had that kind of motivation there um which is actually something that's really important is figuring out because it's really hard to change stuff really hard to change your own behavior and things like that especially when it's those when it's it's that moment when you lose control when you just go and you just react and then you're like oh shit i didn't want to do that but i just did it um so one of the first things is figuring out actually really kind of go no i really need to get a grip on this i really need to change it it's not like i should get myself a bit fitter so i might try and go for a run this week mitigating words like that it's like no this is changing right i'm fixing this um yeah. One thing that's really helpful to do then connected to the previous thing we were talking about is just going, well, what do I lose if I don't change this? Um, what does the future look like? Uh, what does it mean to not have a good relationship with my kids? Yeah. And, and hopefully we'll be parents forever. Um, and, and thinking about it really long term, like all the way through is really helpful because it suddenly makes you go, oh shit. Okay. I really need to get a grip on this because, uh, it's about the relationship. Um, and if that's not there, then just parent in, in title. Uh, so anyway, so motivations are one big key thing. And then it's, there's some basic stuff around. Uh, so when you think about it, it's, there's a, there's a, there's an event and then which triggers a reaction. So there's a couple of ways then you can, you can work it out is, how do you avoid the event or change the event or reframe the event so you don't see it in a way that creates a trigger? Um, how do you make how do you minimize the the chances of the trigger being pulled, as it were? Yeah. Uh, and then how do you create more space between the trigger being pulled and your kind of your reaction, your action? So looking at each one of those, it's the, the the basic stuff is in the middle. How do I stop getting triggered so much. And that's just things like getting a good night's sleep, exercising, you know, eating well, etc. Like I get hangry. Um, and so I know that I, I need to make sure I've, you know, had a bit of food at certain points of the day um, when I'm with my kids and all that sort of stuff, or to know that oh, I'm feeling a bit short tempered because I haven't eaten anything for three hours. Yeah. Right. Better fix that. So there's some stuff like that you can do um, that's really practical, straightforward, just generally looking after yourself. Um, in terms of the event itself, something that is, uh, we, we, we sort of, many people operate on the unquestioned assumption 
that there's a sort of hierarchy in the family. Hmm. Kids at the bottom, parents at the top, what I say goes, I'm in control. If you're doing things that I don't like, I'm coming down on you like a ton of bricks. But actually, like, like families don't have org charts. We, we, we're teams, right? And each one brings different things. And yes, we're older, so we have more responsibility. Uh, and we have to set boundaries and rules and things like that. Um, but actually, what we're, what we're really trying to do, in my head anyway, is work together as a family to have the best quality life we can. Um, which means working together. So rather than sort of... So if there's a particular moment when it's tricky and it's been tricky for a number of times like pre-lockdown that used to be the the school run um then it's having a chat with the kids like i i'm not enjoying this because it makes me really cross etc it makes our kind of you know i end up shouting or whatever um you're unhappy how do we change this yeah how do we work on this together what i'm gonna do is boom 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 um what do you think you could do? How could you do this differently? And, you know, they're kids, they've not had a lot of life experience, so they'll really struggle with that question. And as long as you've got a few ideas, you could kind of prompt them a little bit. Um, so there's that sort of stuff, which is really yeah. helpful because then you're just removing the problem. <laughs> Obviously, as with everything with, with children, it, it doesn't last for very long. Um, right. So you'll have those conversations again. Uh the other bit then, the reframing the event. So how do you see the event differently? Um, so this was a massive realisation for me. So my wife's a, um, a social worker uh, and a play therapist. So I've read a lot of her books um, and we chat about this stuff quite a lot. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't realise the, the the kind of the developmental stages of children. Um, yeah. You know, at certain ages, they're capable of certain things and that's it. And you've got to you've got to develop into being a, a, as fully competent, a grown human as you can be. Um, so there are, there are some things that are just biological rules, right? You, we, according to the neuroscience, we don't develop um, full kind of emotional regulation until we're 21, which right. is nuts. And it, <laughs> you, know, you can understand a lot of your teenage years and particularly that kind of 18 to 21 space. You're like, Ooh, no wonder. Yeah. Um, and it also raises some big questions about uh, going away to college and all that. But then life's all about learning, isn't it? Um, right. So stuff like that. So you expecting a four, five, six, seven, eight, nine year old to be able to kind of deal with frustration in their lives and not react is, is a massive uh expectation that you're putting on them that they can't reach um another really simple one's thinking about like time so if you say to a um so if you say you know you've got we're going out in five minutes needs to be ready to leave the house the child then has to understand five understand the concept of minutes know what five minutes is figure out what state they're in, you know, have they got one sock on, have they got their shoes on, do they need the loo, to then go, well, do I, what do I need to do in five minutes uh, in order to be ready to leave the house? Yeah, It's impossible, right? I mean, we, we're grown adults and we cock that up all the time, being late right. for things and, and getting distracted. Um, with kids, of course, it's going to be much more. And the other thing with kids is they don't develop the ability to 
think sequentially like that mm. until that it only so, starts so around good. five, five, yeah. six. It starts then. Yeah. So you already, if you get angry at them or cross at them or whatever, because you've set, you've said you need to do this by then, you've set that expectation. They're developmentally not able to do that. Do you so think there is no way you can? Year old is there now? He's getting there. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's getting there. Like developmentally, and not and not him specifically, but like a nine-year-old. Like, can you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So to it, like kind of to like. If I'm like, hey, we need to leave at five, they should understand what that means developmentally. Yes, whether but each kid's different, right? Yeah. So the 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 average um, is a tricky thing to kind of pin down. Um, they should do, but then you've also got to chuck in uh, contextual factors. Then, like, so if they are reading a book or watching a program or whatever, mm-hmm. and or they're you know they're absorbed in something, and you're like blah 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 five o'clock they're like yeah you know haven't actually heard you haven't actually thought about it yeah because you know we know that when someone says you have to listen in meetings right because right. important things are being said so you've got to pay attention yeah um they haven't Sometimes. necessarily learned yeah, yeah. <laughs> they haven't necessarily learned that yet because yeah. at school yeah, you have to pay attention, but sometimes a lot of it's quite boring. Sometimes you've done it a bit before. Sometimes you've, you know, it, the teacher's talking about something else or to some other people, so you don't listen. You know, it's like, it does take a bit of practice to get the basics, right? Yeah. Uh, and we often don't give our kids the credit for that. Hmm. I think I think mainly because we, we hang around with grown-ups who have got all that stuff down. I, I, I do. I just really love the idea of just being very thoughtful around recognizing that our, our kids don't have the same developmental brain, brain development that we have, even though, and, and, and when we say it out loud like that, like, it's like, so odd, like, of course, of course they don't. Right. But, but in a moment we don't think about stuff like that. And we don't think about stuff like that with our kids because we expect them to act like adults. I, I do. Even when they were like five or six, I would be like, all right, we're all, we're all leaving. And I would be, yeah, I would be mad if they didn't, have their if we're I'm like hey we're going to the beach and I get mad if my kids don't have their like their their towel and their flip flops and I'm like why didn't you put on sunscreen <laughs> you know what I mean like why in the world would I expect my eight year old to just like think through that checklist in his head with his with his undeveloped brain and and yeah. when I frame it like that then there's no reason there's no reason for me to ever get angry at him for not doing that. Cause he has a, in my, it's funny. So my wife is actually also a therapist and she did play for me as well. So maybe there's a trend in guys who start getting in, you know, start having these conversations. Um, but you know, she calls it, I've heard her refer to it as like, they have caveman brains. Uh, yeah. You know, That's like good. That's good. And, and I, and I think I've, there's been times when I've tried to remind myself of that, like, Oh, and they're a little like caveman brain. They don't understand what this means, you know, they don't understand what this is all about. Or, or if I hear my kids like, like say something that's like, that I would, I would categorize as like wrong, like, um, mm. you know, like a gender stereotype or, um, I'm like, Oh, well they have a caveman brain. Like they, they, they don't understand what they're saying. And I have to explain it to them. Um, they okay. developmentally don't, don't understand. Um, yeah, and but you're that that kind of the difference between you know you you hearing something that you're like 
That's not good. Um, yeah. You know, if if you haven't got that the caveman brain like idea in your head, you you might be like, whoa, whoa, whoa! You don't say that. Boom, 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 boom. You know, and, and the child's they're going, oh god, yeah. okay. Oh, like I'm, th- there's no there's no learning for them in that situation. It's just like someone once told me that this, you know, someone told uh, dad told me that this is bad. Yeah, I don't know why. Actually. Right. Does does that matter or not to me now? And at various points in their life, obviously the relationship will be stronger or weaker, and that those things will be attached. But if it's a case of you sitting down going, do you know what? That's not a great thing to say. I understand you didn't mean, you know, but it could be interpreted in this way because of blah 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 blah. I understand you probably meant something like this, in which case it's probably better to say it like this, maybe. What do you think? Um, it's a much more like then they they understand, they come to their own conclusions, they have the idea, and they're like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, we, there's another phrase that really pisses me off, which is when parents go, they're just, they're, they're winding me up. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, maybe once every hundred times they might be trying to get a negative reaction from you but really do you really think that they're that that what they want is an angry parent a frustrated parent like no someone who as you've said right is more powerful is, is physically more kind of intimidating uh who has more kind of influence over the shape of their lives hmm. Why would they want someone to be angry? Really, what it, that sort of stuff's about is, you know, there's there's something else going on. It's not about they're trying to wind you up. It's it's you, you're not getting they're not getting attention. They need some, you know, they need something else. They're worried about something. Something bad's happened to them, or they they feel they're being unfairly treated because their brother's getting this and they aren't. Mm. Whatever, but there'll be something else going on. Um, but we we often don't think about that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I, I appreciate this point of view because it's just very thoughtful about thinking about our, our kids like, like, cause it is easy to just assume that they're like, just trying to make me mad. <laughs> and I have, I've thought that, that winding up idea I have, like, I have to, like, they're you know. just trying to get, uh, they're just, they're just, <laughs> they're trying to ruin my life, you know, or whatever it might be. And like, that's just that's, so yeah. not true. And we do think, so I, I I appreciate your point of view around being thoughtful about thinking about their stage of development, thinking about their capabilities of their brain and thinking yeah. about that their intentions are not to to make us mad. Their intentions are not to wind us up. Um, they probably. Yeah, but, but yeah. Society like pushes us to kind of because I, I was going to say when you were talking about the caveman bit, I was like, it, it pops into my head. I was like. Well, but we also don't want to set our expectations too low. You know, mm. we want to hold high standards. Yeah, and I think that's true. But then I was also, I, I've, I haven't figured this one out yet in my own head. Uh, which is, is it? Does setting expectations around their developmental kind of capabilities does that mean you're dropping the bar or not? Because mm. there is that thing of like you, know, you want to you want to have high standards of of quality of uh, engine of hair yeah uh of, of you know creativity if that's your your world or accuracy if you know you're an accountant or whatever um so the high standards kind of matter um does it matter for kids i don't know 
Yeah, I I do know what you mean. Like like back to like my son going on an outing or going to the beach. Like, can I if I've tr- if I've taught him like, hey, when we say we're going to the beach, that means you need to get your towel and your shoes and put on some sunscreen and be ready to go at the time we say to go. Like, I can teach him that and have those high expectations, right? And he can. Yeah. So I, so it's like it's still on me to to like lay out those clear high standards and like teach them what that means. Yeah, that's it. Teach yeah. Because if you've taught them, then it's okay to to be like, you're gonna know how to do this, right? You're right. just being lazy now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Versus, yeah, I, I expect you to do this, even though I haven't really told you how to do it. Right. Um, off you go which which in a work context is what happens but for for kids like they've got plenty of life in them to, to have that sort of experience and for yeah. the basic stuff that we're talking about um which is the stuff that winds you up yes actually, yeah because yeah. the stuff that you just think that they should just know how to do by osmosis yeah. but like yes. they, they they don't we have to like make it clear and um and if we haven't then we can't hold them to that high standard yeah, I think that that makes perfect sense, right? Because I was just thinking, my kids, um, they can be really lazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, my son's like, oh, can you just get me an orange and peel it? And I'm like, um, no, because yeah. you're closer to the kitchen than I am. Uh, if you want it. Uh, if I was on my way to get something anyway for myself out of the fridge, then yeah, I probably would, right? Because it's a nice yeah. thing to do. Uh, but I'm not going to put my book down and no, yeah, get off the sofa and, and go through to the kitchen and do that for you because you're sat right next to me and I don't want it. Um, yeah. So he will, they will be stuff like that, I guess. Uh, totally. But, you know, there are times, yeah. and that, that's like my biggest pet peeve too, is when they're like, will you give me a, a glass of water? I'm like, Get, you you know what the <laughs> sink is go get your own damn water but like but then there's times when i have a reverse for some, it's just my mood i guess but then there's times when i'm just like i would love to get you some water like you know what i mean i can just yeah. tell that and it makes them like so happy like yes like yes as as you wish you know little princess bride and like <laughs> yeah and that just like feels really good to do that but it's mm. definitely not <laughs> not the norm um, yeah like swings and roundabouts like think what am i trying to say swings and roundabouts like it you want to be you want to be really attentive and show them you love them and really look after them and all that stuff but actually some sometimes a lot of the time if if we're all about trying to uh, equip them so that they can go off leave the home and go off into the world and make their way and you know right uh for live fulfilling lives and we kind of got to neglect them a little bit in a way as well haven't we because they've got to figure out this stuff yeah and do it themselves and get to a point where it's second nature and um you know they can oh, i'm hungry i'll go and sort myself out a snack go make a yeah. sandwich uh oh it's dinner time we'll make some dinner um yeah. so i guess so, we've got to be careful with that kind of wanting to really and there's there's a thing that's uh, read quite a bit about overparenting um right. which we apparently our generations has a tendency to do the children yeah yeah and children have become more central like the central focal point of family whereas mm. previous generations kids were a little bit more secondary mm. like mum and dad are doing this you guys have to come you know yeah. you know this is what's happening this is what's happening um 
whereas we've sort of swung a little bit the other way i think is what i read in the yeah research everyone's lives different um you know, I've got sirens going on at my door. You're talking about going to the beach. Um, it's quite a long way from me, you know. Yeah, it's very different. That's why I was really happy to get a chance to to talk to you from all the way all the way across the the ocean here and a continent. So yeah, 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 yeah. That's been. I'm really glad you invited me, Matt. Thank you. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too. Thank you, David. Uh, so people can find you at, at beingdads.com, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's your website yeah that's the best place uh it's it's a bit haphazardly updated um but you know that's because it, it's um, so the 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 reason the thing that my son did that when he was first born that totally changed my worldview is I always used to be one of these people who was like why aren't I doing that why haven't I got this well I mm. should be at this level I should be doing that kind of work uh etc etc there was all like I liken it to a kind of there's little me at the bottom looking up in this pyramid of all these aspirations and wishes and demands and just basically beating the shit out of myself for not achieving them. But when my son came along, it totally flipped the other way around. And suddenly I was like, well, there's all this stuff I'd quite like to do and be nice. But mm. the reality is the kids and family are number one. Number two is, you know, my health and my work in order to provide for that. And then there's all this other stuff, which would be nice, but it totally, and it made me so much lighter. Um, so so the reason why the website is is relatively uh, is updated haphazardly is because it's it's definitely third priority, right? Right. Kids come first, then my ability to provide for them, so my physical, mental well-being as well as work. Yeah. And then being dad stuff. Um, yeah, passion projects. So yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah, but it's it's a yeah it's it's going to be a long term thing. Um, it already is. <laughs> Nice. I'm not going to stop anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, so apologies for it being a bit uh, out of date on occasion. But. No, that's great. We get it, and I, I appreciate it. So thank you, and thanks again for taking the time to chat with me. Matt, no problem. Thanks very much. Thank you, David, and thank you if you made it this far. I would love it if you would subscribe and maybe give it five stars on the old uh, whatever platform you're using. Might as well. You made it this far. <laughs> Thank you. I would appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time.